Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Hey there. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. This is Hey. <laughs> it seemed like you needed a response. Hey. I was muted, so by the time I unmuted, it was too late. I thought it sounded like pretty segmented. It was like, hey. <laughs> Today we are celebrating where we started and where we are now by redoing some of our first few episodes because they contain some of our most favorite topics to talk about. Uh, but, you know, they're a little rough because they were mm. just the beginnings of Thoughts on Thoughts mm-hmm. and we feel like we can show up for you maybe better than we did back then. We're so. really hoping it's better. Yeah. Crossing our fingers, you like this better. (laughs) I hope we've improved. Today we're going to talk about secure attachment. The secure attachment style, the thing that we all want to get to in life, and how we can do that. First, let's start with what the attachment cycle is, and then we'll jump into what secure attachment is. So, you may remember this. If so, press that button that says forward. 30 seconds right now. If you don't, listen up. So our attachment cycle is how we get our needs met in relation to someone else. So we're not talking about meeting our own needs. We're talking about how the relationship between two people help us get our needs met. So the idea is that we have a need arise and then we feel that need somehow in our body. So whether that's our mind telling us what we need or our body freaking out and telling us what we need, or our body being calm and telling us what we need. We have something in ourselves that communicates what our need is. And then we express that need to that person who we are in a relationship with, ideally in hopes that they will help us meet the need. Then the next step is that that person can either meet our need or not meet our need. Once they meet our need in the secure cycle, we're going to go with they're going to meet our need. Then we have what happens in our body and to our mind in the way that we understand and interpret having that need met. So that can be like, okay, I'm calming down and I'm feeling happy because they met my need. And then guess what? A new need comes and we go around and around and around all day long and all week long and all month long and all year long for the rest of your life because you will always have needs. I think that sums it up pretty well. It's something that we are experiencing day in, day out. Our childhood years are very formative for our attachment style, and we're going to dig into that in a later episode. Today, we're focusing on adult attachment. I think the thing that's important to understand about secure attachment is that if you currently have an insecure attachment, 
You can do very specific things that move you towards a place of security, and it is something that takes time and effort, but it is possible. Speaking from my own experience, moving from insecure attachment to more secure attachment, it took me work and time, but I feel much more secure in my relationships today than I used to, and it's a very healing process and experience. And I've had several people reach out to me asking me how they can, how they can move more to a place of security. Um, and I think it's something in the world that is very needed right now. I think a lot of us have insecure attachments, whether that's a result of parenting from when we were kids or, Uh, really difficult friendships or romantic relationships that went south and really kind of created and fostered in us these negative core beliefs about who we are in relationships. We are first going to kind of share what it looks like to be a secure, securely attached person. We are going to be pulling most of these ideas from the book Attached by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. And for us, this is kind of the holy grail book right now on attachment or adult attachment. Or adult attachment, 100%. Yeah, because honestly, it's like the only one. And luckily, it's a good one. But (laughs) I mean, I've looked and I've asked other professionals that work with attachment, and this is kind of it right now. I mean, there's like scholarly articles, but... Nothing that yeah. breaks it down Other books into have like pieces, but this is like here's secure, here's avoidant, here's anxious, here's what you do. Yeah. So it's really clear and really nice. So if you want to learn more, we always recommend get yourself the book attached and read it yourself. There's also a nice handy dandy quiz. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That tells you what your attachment style is currently. I'm going to give you this list that they talk about in here about what secure attachment looks like. And this is in reference to a romantic relationship. If you are currently not in a romantic relationship, that's okay. Take the pieces that relate to you. And we will also be talking later for people who are currently in the dating world of life. We're going to talk about how to seek out somebody who is securely attached and who you can have secure attachment with. These are the things that securely attached people do in their romantic relationships. So secure people are good at handling conflict. They're good at navigating that situation. They don't kind of immediately flip their lid and get really defensive or do things that will injure the emotions of their partner. Second, they're mentally flexible. So... They're able to hear criticism. They're able to look at another person's perspective and take a hard look at their own beliefs and see where things may need to shift in order to work through things with their partner. Um, and all of this, they're good at communicating. So in conflict, in looking at their own beliefs, they're, they're pretty adept at communicating those things to other people. They don't play games. We may have a lot of game players tuning in because that is a honestly 
entertaining cycle to sometimes be caught in. It's a little bit boring to not play games, but also it's better for you in the long run. Yeah. Ain't nobody like those games. Yeah. I don't like drama. Okay, but secretly I do. But secretly I love it. Other people's drama on TV (laughs) instead of your own drama. (laughs) True, true. Securely attached people are also comfortable with being close to other people, but they're not so close that they're enmeshed. They're able to still have healthy boundaries in their relationships. KJ, what does enmeshed mean Ah, for those people who don't know? Yes, let me tell you. It is. Oh, yes, yes, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) For example, you can be enmeshed in a relationship if you are always trying to solve the other person's problems, if their emotions uh, dictate what your emotions are, your emotional climate matches their emotional climate at all times. So, like, no boundaries. No boundaries. Yes. So, securely attached people can also be quick to forgive. So, they see their partner's intentions as being good and are more likely to forgive them when something hurtful happens. They are inclined to view sex and emotional intimacy as the same thing. So they don't need to create distance by separating the two of those things. So like they don't just say, okay, we need to be close emotionally, not sexually, or we're close sexually, not emotionally. They're able to be close in both of those ways. Securely attached people treat their partners with respect, and they are also secure in their own ability to work on the relationship. They don't see it as being all in the other person's court to fix things. They know that they're able to work on things too. And they really are responsive and loving towards their partner and want their partner to be healthy and well. So they are responsive to their partner's needs. That sounds like life is perfect when you're life secure. goals, life yes, goals, right there. Like a bit exhausting, honestly, reading all of that. So let's talk about that. <laughs> it just makes me think about my own marriage and how I've been married for almost ten years now. Almost ten years, you guys. That's like a decade of my life. What? That's a long time. What? And when I re- when I'm listening to this list by KJ, <laughs> I had the thought, I'm like, all right, so. The first seven years, <laughs> first six or seven years, probably not so secure. <laughs> Had a lot of different like uh, habits that we were working through. And then like the past three, I'm like working towards more secure. Oh, like, good. yeah, more secure. <laughs> you go, guys. Isn't that funny? It's great. I love that. It, it is interesting to hear that. And yeah, you can just like you automatically start thinking through your relationships like oh do I do that do I not yeah then I think the that list is like major hashtag goals you know like that's what we all want to be and that's what we want our relationships to be and so it's definitely what we're working towards but the big thing to remember is that just because you are secure doesn't mean that you never have attachment issues it's not like you never treat your partner poorly when you're angry on a Saturday night or you never become insecure, things like that. And so that's what we want you to remember. The magic number is 74% 
right? So 74% of the time, we want to be able to be secure in our bringing our needs to our partner and in meeting those needs for our partner. So it should go both ways. And so one out of every four times is maybe not going to be a perfect interaction and that's okay. And not that the other ones have to be perfect. You just have to, like KJ said, they understand the intentions of their partner are good. And so they can kind of forgive what doesn't go that well. Mm-hmm. So if you are like Taylor, who just expressed her love for this list, Taylor, tell us how much you love this list. <laughs> I love this list so much, you guys. If I feel like every bullet point represented something that I've been working on in my marriage. Like, especially the one that hit me really hard was the believing in the positive intent of your partner. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's where we really get hung up. And I, I will admit, I have a tendency towards anxious attachment. So I have anxious tendencies, meaning, and this was, this manifested greatly in the very beginning, the, the first few years of, of our marriage where Logan would favor more of an avoidant and I favored anxious, which we will discuss later how that is a magical combination, but basically we'd have, you know, um, a disagreement or most of the time a misunderstanding because none of us had all the facts and then Logan would avoid and I'd get anxious. So I'd run after him. And then all of a sudden I'm just like chasing him. <laughs> he's running away from me. <laughs> and that and he's so, building the wall. Yes. And uh, yes. Yes. The wall. I'll never forget <laughs> that image that Taylor gave all of us. In one yeah, of our episodes. Building a wall brick by brick to keep me Taylor's out. And I'm like climbing it. I was remember that. And the taller you build the wall, the stronger I get. It's so funny. Serious <laughs> World War Z vibes right there. <laughs> yes. Oh, when they're sure. yeah, when they're in Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Love that movie. Um yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now I really do see myself as a zombie in that movie. But <laughs> anyways. Yeah, so I see myself as more of like an anxious. And so I'm always creating an intent for him that is not realistic, right? So if he does something, I'm like, oh, it's because he's thinking this and this and this and this, and I get real anxious. But just choosing to believe that the intention of your partner is good and that they want to be close to you and that they want you both to be healthy is such hashtag life goals. So what Taylor is talking about is how you become secure. That's exactly what you want to do. So Taylor's saying you be intentional about choosing to believe that they have a good intention. I said intentional too many times there, but you get the idea. So it's basically if your husband, we're saying husband because we are, we have husbands. That's why. So you apply whatever you want to relationship, dating, husband, boyfriend, mother, father, whatever you want. So if someone, let's say I ask Elliot to do the dishes and he does not do the dishes, I can choose to believe, oh, he probably had something come up and became busy or forgot about it. It had nothing to do with me. Or I can believe he doesn't love me and he is choosing to not think about my needs before his own needs and that's selfish of him. And what I choose to believe is going to have a very different effect. And so becoming more secure, what we would do is we might automatically jump to that thought of, he doesn't love me. And so he has no respect for me and he won't do the dishes. And then you say, wait a second, I'm trying to be more secure. 
let me take a second and try and give him a good reason for why he wouldn't have done that because I love him and he loves me. He very, I mean, I would say Elliot would never purposely hurt me because I wouldn't have married him if I thought he would do that, you know? And so what else could have been going on and try and rewrite that script in our mind and come up with a more positive reason for that interaction. And I think the key of what Jessica was saying there, or one of the keys was because he loves me and I love him. You have to go back to the basic beliefs of your system and that found and that foundation that you've created with each other. And that's, he loves me and I love him. And then if you do that, then you can build on those beliefs and then implement the things that Jessica was talking about. So jumping off that, let's talk about how to be secure for your partner. So that can kind of look like a few things. So one is being available to their distress, helping them with their needs. The next thing would be uh, being kind of a behind-the-scenes supporter for them. So helping them feel like they can initiate things in their life um, and have some power in their own decisions and not have you kind of dictating everything. But you're there as a support for them. You guys are walking side by side. You're not leading and they're not leading. You're walking together. And then encourage them. So be that person that is accepting of their goals and their personal growth and help them boost their self-esteem with your encouragement. So that is just kind of putting it very simply. I know some of those things can be really complex, but it's just ultimately being a loving support system for your partner. Yeah. And I can give an example for one of those when you're talking about like, being a support for somebody and being a safe place for them. The example that I think of in my mind is self-care. And I feel like in our marriage, we're always, our self-care is always moving and adapting and changing because our life circumstances change all the time. So I feel like between Logan and I, what an interaction like that would look like was say he would like come to me and be like, man, I just feel like I'm not taking care of myself. I'm exhausted all the time, having a hard time at work. So instead of me taking the reins and leading him and being like, well, here's your solution, do this. I can say something like, okay, well, like, what can you, what do you think you can try? to make yourself feel better. And then he comes up with solutions like, oh, well, maybe I can go running in the morning or maybe I need to eat a better lunch or maybe, you know, I need some time in the afternoon to decompress. And I'm like, okay, those are all really great um, suggestions. How can I help you to accomplish those? And then he could say something like, okay, well, maybe like at night after we put the kids down, if I could have like this much time to go on a run or da, da, da. And he said, yeah, we can do that together. So I think that when it comes to interactions like that, like supporting and being there for your partner, you're not there to swoop in and fix their problems and give them solutions unless they ask for them. But you are there to help them problem solve, make them not feel alone. Because what I'm doing in that situation for Logan is I'm giving him support. I'm making it so that he doesn't feel like he's alone in the world. I'm helping him figure out how to accomplish these things and knowing that if he fails in any of this, I'm still there to have this conversation again and again, and again, no matter how many times it takes in order for him to meet that goal. And you can feel that feeling, that feeling underneath secure attachment is that genuine love and caring. So these behaviors come from a place of, I just genuinely adore this person 
that I'm in a relationship with. And so I want to help them. I want to love them and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to ask over and over again, how I can support them because that's what I want to do. So the more that you can help love and support them, the more they're going to want to do it in turn. And that's the beauty of a secure attachment is that it builds over time and becomes more secure over time. And if you maybe are in a relationship with someone who is not secure, like Taylor and Logan, we can use that example, right? Over time, you can build that security by having these purposeful, secure moments. And the more you have those moments, the more likely you are to become secure. And it's a beautiful thing. Because the idea is Sue Johnson is another renowned marriage therapist um, who created EFT Emotionally Focused Therapy. Sue Johnson says, so she relates um, a relationship to a like a cha-cha dance. We're dancing together. And if one partner suddenly starts doing the waltz, the other partner cannot continue to cha-cha. They have to adapt and switch to the waltz or the dance will fall apart. And so that is a really important thing to remember. If maybe your partner is not as secure as you, the more that you are a secure base and you continue waltzing no matter what, they will learn to adapt. It takes time and it takes effort from them, but you cannot have two people dancing a different dance. So as long as you are working on being healthier, your partner will respond in kind. And if they don't, then, you know, eventually that would lead to the deterioration of the relationship. So that's when you would talk to them, discuss it, work through it and encourage them to join you in your healthy dance, you know? Yeah. And it's never too late to shift to a secure, Mm -hmm. like, I don't want you thinking like, oh, we've been married for this many years or we've been doing it this way. We're so enmeshed or so uh, deep into our habits that there's no way that we could possibly make this shift. Like you can always make a shift towards secure habits and towards being in a secure attachment with somebody. It's never too late. All right. So let's bring this back to those of you who are currently single and pursuing being in a secure relationship. And I feel like I just have a lot of... I don't know, love for this population of people because I was in that phase of life for a long time and experienced a lot of heartache and just pain revolving around being insecurely attached in dating relationships. And it's really hard. And it's, I think, in this world of online dating, a lot of this can be really emphasized and really difficult. It can be hard to find securely attached people sometimes, but... I think everyone wants to eventually be in a secure relationship. And so you don't need to go into it being like, okay, I need to be secure and they need to be secure right now. I think a lot of the beauty and um, joy can be found in relationships when you kind of grow together into a secure attachment, which Taylor has talked about uh, with her and Logan So in the book Attached, it talks about these key things that you can kind of look out for to help you find the right partner for you. So the first thing is spotting smoking guns very very early on and treating them as deal breakers. So those would be your red flags. So abuse, uh, someone who's emotionally, physically abusive to you, red flag. Okay, that is a smoking gun. Yes. Like a red like a red flag or a flaming billboard, however you want to look at it, you know. Like <laughs> that's yes. on 
fire. Yeah. yeah. Abort. <laughs> so some other fly red flags. Let's see. Let, we're going to brainstorm for you guys. Mm-hmm. So um, hearing that someone is a player and being like, well, I don't believe it. They usually are a player and you will probably get hurt. Um, if they do cheat on you, that's um, um, what we call a flaming billboard. So yeah. you can move on. That's fine. Get to just move on. Out of there. <laughs> Quick. <laughs> I think another red flag can be if they are not respectful to your circle of people you love. Mm-hmm. So that like if they're disrespectful to your friends or family, if they try to alienate you in any way from your friends and family, you see those controlling tendencies come out. Red flags. Mm-hmm. If you feel that, like they're trying to pull you into drama regularly, like I saw you talking to this person, and you're like, you know that nothing happened and it was all very normal. You can ask yourself like, okay, that's a smoking gun. Like, why are they trying to pull me into this drama? Why do they want me to have, yeah, what what are they looking for there? You know, yeah. they're trying to stir up trouble. That is a definite anxious attachment thing to do. Mm-hmm. If they can't cope on their own. Oh, so this is like an interesting teenage thing that's coming up, which I'm hoping goes away and is just a teenage thing. But yeah. like um, they will threaten Things based on their emotional state and blame it on their partner. So like the example would be, I'm going to kill myself if you break up with me, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of emotional manipulation or like you made me feel this way and blaming their emotional state on you and trying to emotionally manipulate you. That's a big red flag. And I think too, another smoking gun is they pressure you to do things you're not comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Whether that's, moving too fast physically or 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 also just kind of like progressing your relationship at a pace that you're not comfortable with like getting more serious quickly and things that are associated with that too so just kind of like all of a sudden you find yourself in a relationship that's a lot more serious than you were ready for Mm -hmm. awesome okay The next thing to help you find a partner in a secure way would be communicating effectively from day one. So I think communication can be very difficult. It can be really hard to express your needs in an effective way, especially in a new relationship. But try. Try your best. Try to be effective in how you communicate your wants and needs. And remember that if you're beginning a secure relationship, you want to be yourself. And so don't be afraid to say, this is who I am, and then see if it jives with that other person. You don't need to shift who you are to get someone to love you, because then it cannot be a secure relationship. Mm -hmm. I think that was one of the most important lessons I had to learn in dating was you know, if I can't be 100% myself in this relationship without this person um, bailing, then then I should not be in that relationship because I don't want to have this fake persona for the rest of my life in a marriage that just mm-hmm. won't work. And in order for you to do that, KJ, you had to be okay with the concept 
of not being in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so to get into that security, you had to be okay with the option of not being with somebody, which can be scary and uncertain and lonely at times. But I think you just showed that you were valuing the health of the relationship um, more than being by yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And another thing is to subscribe to the belief that there are many potential partners that can make you happy. I think with maybe it's Disney movies or things that we we take in at a very young age, we kind of have this belief of this, you know, picture perfect, uh, Prince Charming, and there's this one person, this soulmate that is going to make us endlessly happy. Um, and so when we have that belief, we can go into a relationship and feel like we have to do everything we possibly can to not let that relationship deteriorate or end. And that can be really damaging. So I think if you go into your dating life with the idea and the belief that there can be many potential partners for you um, that could make you happy, um, it's just a healthier mindset to have. It's not so all or nothing in black and white. Yeah. Remember that every relationship will end except for one. It's okay learning growth through all those relationships, but you are not for everyone and everyone is not for you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can just be with pretty much about anybody, but it's what you create when you're in that unit that makes you so extraordinary as a couple. I think that's when you become soulmates is when you have created something together that nobody else can touch. But like they said, you can choose and there's multiple people that you can both choose to make that, those choices and create with. Yeah, I really like that idea. Of, yeah, I I really like that idea of you can eventually be soulmates for each other. And that that isn't like, oh, there's this one person that's destined for me and we know that day one. It's something that you work to create together. The next thing is working on not taking blame for the other person's offensive behaviors. So if they act in a way that's hurtful, they're inconsiderate to people, uh, not allowing them to put the blame on you or having yourself put the blame on you for their behavior. And then the last thing is just to expect being treated with respect and dignity and love. So having that expectation from people is not a bad thing. It's something we should do if we are pursuing security in our relationships. Yeah, but it really is just saying, does this relationship feel healthy to me? Do I want to be with this person more and more? Or am I feeling off about it, really? And if you're feeling off about it, that's when you dig in and you figure out, is it because of my attachment style their attachment style, or is it just the relationship is not going to work, you know? And I had a therapist tell me when I was in the dating stage that there's no such thing as rejections. It's just my experiences are not meshing with your experiences and that's okay. It doesn't have anything to do with you as a person. It really just has to do with the relationship isn't going to work between you two and that's okay. And you can move on 
And then my other favorite concept is he's just not that into you, but someone will be. And so go find the person who will be. And don't be afraid to leave maybe an unhealthy relationship behind in search of a healthier relationship. That's a a brave thing to do, I think, in a lot of situations. So to bring this all together and to give you some takeaways and just some really tangible things you can do to work towards having security in a relationship, whether that's, you know, in a marriage or you're dating or with a parent, et cetera, et cetera. We want to give you some really tangible things to do. Number one, acknowledge if you have any codependency in your relationship and work on healing it. So if you want to know if you are codependent, you can listen to our episode 41. It's called, Are You Codependent? So I think it's going to give you what you need. Ah, brilliant. Second thing you can do. Insecure attachment can often be bred from shame and trauma. So a way to work on that is seek therapy. Seek help in that outlet to heal your insecure attachment by getting to some of the roots that may be going on underneath everything. Another thing you can do is work on strengthening your self-esteem and your self-acceptance because a relationship can only be as healthy as the least healthy person in the relationship. So if you work on healing yourself and boosting your self-esteem, you can go into a relationship being a healthier person and allowing that relationship to be more healthy at the end of the day. And last, seek relationships with people who have a secure attachment or who are willing to work towards security with you. So not the people that have the billboards that are on fire and those smoking guns, the people who are really also in this with you, who are working on their own self-esteem and acceptance and want the best for the relationship as well. Yeah. Cause it's more, it's, I think about the relationships that are forming right now and people that are wanting to be together. And it's so important to do as much of the work as possible like during the formative times. So I'm like such a proponent of like premarital counseling and yes, yes, it is. All my children will do it. Like it's just decided. It was our wedding gift from our in-laws, which I think is just a genius wedding gift. Yes. It was like five sessions or something. It was amazing. And exactly. And that's the thing, like it does, you don't have to go there for years or anything. It's just like a handful of sessions to bring up a lot of different concepts that you probably have not talked about yet. That will be very invaluable to you moving forward. So like buying this book and reading it together, doing some counseling sessions, putting in the work now, because it will just enhance your relationship later. So really what we're saying is don't be afraid to stand up for yourself to become a healthy person and then to find someone who is willing to work with you and match that healthy relationship. Really, we just want you guys to be healthy, happy, loving humans. And so remember, if you love someone and they love you, you can make it work and it will be beautiful and wonderful. So take those takeaways, try them out. And really, we wish you guys all the best in all of your relationships. So good luck.
I always say good luck, but really, I truly mean it. Really wish you a great experience. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so now we just wanted to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode. And like KJ mentioned in our last episode, we have opened up a Venmo account to so people can donate to our production costs. Because like we mentioned, we don't make any money, we pay money. So to have people donate to that is a really special thing. And to show our thanks, here's another poem to this donor. Kelly. Kelly, 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 thank you for sending some dough so that we can continue to make this show. You are the dopest chick of all time, only to be compared to a fine wine. We truly value your love and hope that blessings will rain down from above. Whoa. End. <laughs> Thank Thank you, you. Kelly. We love you. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com. And if you search thoughtspod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.